How is everybody doing? Good? Are you doing good? Is the Lord good? Amen. All right, so today we actually are going to talk about staying focused. What does it mean to be focused? Well, I think the dictionary is usually a very, very good help. So as such, I went to the dictionary and I uh, looked it up. And so staying focused is to concentrate on something. All of us know that, right? To pay close attention to something. More, it's said to put effort into whatever we are doing to be focused on it. It also said to see clearly or to shine light on something. So today we are going to talk about staying focused and what that means. But before I continue sharing what the Lord laid on my heart, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, okay? I am going to ask you about how many of you love cabbage? Okay, now there is garlic. <laughs> there are mushrooms. There is onion <laughs> and broccoli. I am glad you are excited. But then again, let's look under napkin number two. So, for those of you who do not see it very clearly, let's take a look. A three-layer delicious Godiva chocolate cake with fresh raspberries. So, if you have to make a choice, and you can only choose one side of the table, what are you going to go for? <laughs> okay, so how many of you are going to choose the chocolate raspberry cake? <laughs> I see some of you are actually getting up and raising your hands. So how many of you would choose this little tray? <laughs> not many. Now, nice shout, but not many of you are going for it. Why do you think that is? Well, there are a few very obvious reasons. One of the reasons is this looks delicious. It looks amazing. And I am sure when you put that piece of the chocolate cake into your mouth and the Godiva chocolate melts on your tongue, you will feel amazing. And it will bring pleasure. Another very obvious thing is, it's very easy. It's all ready. All you need to do is grab a spoon or a fork and just Dive into it. You don't even have to cut it. You could, but you don't have to. It is all ready for you. Now, if we look at cabbage, I actually am going to share with you, just in case you don't know, some of the nutritional value. So, let's take a look at broccoli. Bursting with vitamins and minerals. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent source of immune-boosting vitamin C. 135% of vitamin daily need is right in this little broccoli. 
great source of vitamin K, a very good source of all the other vitamins, A, magnesium, potassium, and a bunch of other stuff that I didn't even bother putting here. What about cabbage? Cabbage is actually absolutely amazing. Look at it for yourself. But not many of you cook with cabbage, and not many of you buy cabbage. If I give you the cabbage right now, most of you wouldn't even know what to do with it. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> now, in order to use cabbage, most of the meals that you can prepare with cabbage require about an hour and a half to two hours. There is an amazing meal called bigos, but that takes about three hours to make. Now, if I want to turn the mushrooms, the garlic, the onion, and the cabbage into delicious Polish gołąbki, it will take me three hours to do. It takes effort. But you know what? Cabbage is actually, like this slide says, it's a superfood. During the Second World War, many people were starving, and it was potatoes and cabbage that allowed them to survive. Not only survive, but be healthy. Sauerkraut, I remember my mom used to make that, and it was a whole day event with at least three adults. You have a lot of things you have to do, and then you have to wait for four weeks for that sauerkraut to turn ready. When I first came to America, somebody asked me, do you like sauerkraut? And my response was, I love it. And then I tasted it here in America, and I froze, because it was nothing like the sauerkraut I was used to. It was gross. It was very, very sour, which means it was fermented way too long. It was mushy and soft. Sauerkraut is supposed to be crispy. It's not supposed to be very sour. It was gross. And so now if somebody asks me, do you like sauerkraut? I'm like, well, that depends. It takes effort to turn it into a good, delicious, and nutritional meal. So why am I talking about it? Am I turning now chapel into nutritious uh, lecture because I didn't even talk about mushrooms? They are also incredibly good for you. Well, not exactly, but I am going to use it as an illustration. But I'm going to ask you to read with me 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. And I'm not even getting into who that one was. That's not the point. But I would like us to focus our attention on verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I would like us to really think about this verse. Because see, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, and I hope that every single one of you have already done that, and that's why you came to Bible school. When you become a child of God, the power of bondage is broken. And Satan has no control over you, period. He has no power over you. He has no control over you. You can't blame him for what you do. 
because you have a free will and it is your decision and it is your choice. So what does he do? He's very, very smart and very crafty. He has to come up with devices. He has to come up with tactics. He has to come up with schemes to divert your attention, to distract you, and if possible, to tempt you into doing something that is not good for you. So the Apostle Paul said, let us be careful, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let us consider for a while what exactly is happening and what are some devices that Satan might be using. See, God created all of us. Again, I don't think we need to talk about it, right? He loves us. He loves his creation. Satan hates God's creation. God did everything to save us. He gave his only begotten son so that you and I could be saved. Satan is doing everything in his power to destroy us. Now, God commanded all of us to love one another. Why? And it's not easy to love everybody. You know, if, if somebody has a nice personality and they are similar to you, that's very easy, that's great. But if somebody has a tendency to act like a jerk, it's not easy. If somebody is very narcissistic, if somebody is selfish, if somebody is mean to you, it's not easy to love them. So why is God telling us more, commanding us to love one another? Now, Satan, on the other hand, what does he do? Zach, did you know that Aaron does not like your shoes? Oh, and he does not like your hairstyle at all. And you know what else? I am making it up. But how often does that happen? How often you hear something about somebody else, you don't even know if it's true sometimes. It has elements of truth, but sometimes it's twisted, sometimes it is exaggerated, and yet you hear about it and you get hurt, and you get upset, and then unforgiveness is in your heart, and sometimes you absolutely were mistreated. Some of us have been absolutely, I, I would uh, dare to say all of us, have been mistreated at times. All of us have been wronged at times, and we didn't deserve it. It is not fair. All of us have been hurt. But what you do with that hurt is up to you. So let's continue looking at the different devices and what exactly is happening. Now, God is, God gave us his word and is prompting us many times throughout the scripture, telling us that we need to meditate on the scripture. We need to keep it in our heart. We need to know the scripture. We need to eat the scripture. We need to uh, have the scripture in us, in our mind, in our hearts. Why? because he doesn't want you to have time for anything else. God shines light on the traps and the schemes of the evil one in the scriptures. 
He wants you to dwell in the scriptures, to eat it, to uh, devour it, because he wants you to be strong. He wants you to be wise. He wants you to recognize far away the schemes and the devices of the devil so that you give him no opportunity. Satan, on the other hand, is going to do everything to distract you. And as I said, Satan is not stupid. He is not going to come to Dr. Antonelli and Debbie and tempt them to go and steal something from Dollar General. He knows they are not going to do it. So he's not going to waste his time on that. He's not going to come to them or to Tim trying to tempt him to go after a prostitute. Well, first of all, I don't think he would make it because I would kill him. But second of all, he loves me and he's smarter than that. He's not going to do it, so he's not going to tempt him with that. But you know what? He might use chocolate cake. He loves chocolate cake. What's worse, he can't have it because he can't eat sugar. So most of the time he can't have it, but he loves it. And he's going to try to distract him. He's going to say, hey, how about, you know, this game looks really cool. Go ahead and play. How about social media? None of those things are bad. It's absolutely nothing wrong with having a piece of delicious chocolate cake. I am going to have some. However, if my diet consists only of chocolate cakes, I'm going to be in trouble. What are you going to do? Are you going to recognize those very things? Because see, he is not going to tempt you with things that you are not struggling with. But he's going to try to distract you and draw your attention to things. So you go to social media or play some games. You do this, you do that. You watch a few Netflix uh, movies. None of it in itself, by itself, is bad unless it has bad content. But hopefully not. But you don't even realize and your time is gone. And all of a sudden, you don't have time to have devotion. You don't have time to read the Bible. You don't have time to pray. And you are trying to justify yourself by saying, well, I was in class and, you know, a couple of scriptures were read. And, yeah, I was in church yesterday. Yeah, yeah Sunday was Super Bowl after all. You know, I couldn't do devotions because it was just uh, not enough time. We come up with excuses because Satan manages to distract us. He does not have any power over you, but he has the ability to lure you, to tempt you, and to distract you. And if you don't recognize his devices, you will become weak. You will become feeble. And then what? When it says, actually Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. It's not fun to discipline your body and to bring it under subjection. That means you have to get up half an hour earlier so that you could read the Bible and pray. And it's not easy to get out of a warm, nice, soft bed. Especially when you really could sleep another half an hour. And it's kind of cold. 
and it's nasty, and the snow is coming down, and it's not, you know, it's dark. Who gets up when it's dark? Come on. And by doing it once, twice, ten times, hundred times, we become weak. We become feeble. Let us look at Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. And I'm going to just look at parts of that fragment because I want to highlight some of the other things that God desires for us, but Satan is doing everything to try to lure us away, to distract us so that we don't do it. Put on his full armor so that we are able to stand against the scheme of the devil. Here we go again. So that we are able to stand against the scheme of the devil. He does not have any power over you. He does not have any control. But he is smart and he's going to do everything to distract you, to lure you away and to take you away from working two hours on this delicious meal that is going to help you be healthy and it boosts your immune system. But that does not sound very attractive when I can have a piece of chocolate cake and do absolutely nothing because everything is ready. Recognize the schemes of the devil and be strong. Put on the armor of God. It says, stand firm. Verse 13. And Satan whispers to your ear, you're tired, lay down, relax, come on, you know, sleep half an hour longer. You'll still make it to class. You don't have to have devotions. It is your choice. It is your decision. He cannot make it for you, but he can whisper that in your heart. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Wow. We don't even realize that so many times the enemy throws fiery or flaming darts at us. And unless we have a shield of faith and we are protecting ourselves, what happens? Now, first of all, let me ask you the question, when does your faith grow? The more time you spend with him, the more you know him, the more you read his word, the stronger your faith is. But when you don't have time to do that, is your faith going to be strong? Absolutely not. So what happens when you do not have the shield of faith? The fiery darts are going to penetrate your skin. The fiery darts are going to cause a lot of fire around you. The fiery darts are going to damage your body and get in. And guess what? There is poison at the end of the darts. And it gets in, and the poison gets in, and it becomes infected, and you become sick, and you are weaker, and you are in pain. Because you did not have or I did not have a shield of faith. What else does it say? It actually says in verse 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. But Lord, sword is heavy. My arm hurts. Come on, I can, I'll just lay it down on the table for a little while. It requires effort. It requires time. And it requires 
wisdom and discernment to recognize the schemes of the devil. New King James Version says, the wiles of the devil. Apostle Paul says, let us not give him any opportunity. I believe in Ephesians 4. Again, don't give him any opportunity. It is your choice. It is your decision. But if you do not dwell in the word of God, if you do not have the shield of faith, if you do not hold the sword of the word of God, you will not recognize his devices. You will not recognize his schemes. You will not recognize his traps. And you may fall into them, which will cause again and again pain, infection, weakness, disappointment, discouragement. Notice that it continues. It says, pray at all times in the spirit. Verse 18, pray for all the saints. It would be easy to pray for those who truly are saints, right? But he's no saint, okay? He's no saint. She is no saint. No, we all are saints because we accepted him as our personal savior. We are not perfect, but we are saints. So are you going to pray for this person that hurt you? Are you going to pray for the one who wronged you? Because that is not easy. I confess, that is not easy. That's the last thing I want to do, is to pray for somebody who wrongfully accused me, who wronged me, who uh, tarnished my name or spoke bad things about me and knew nothing about me. That is very, very hard. But am I going in this moment to recognize the schemes of the devil that if I do not forgive and I allow that fiery dart to pierce my heart and I allow it to get in and I allow the poison to get in, it might be a very, very legitimate pain. Many of you have been wronged. Many of you have experienced severe pain. Many of you have not been treated right. And it is not fair. But you know what? If you allow that pain to stay in you, in your heart, if you do not forgive, if you do not surrender it to God, it's not about fairness. It's not about whether you are right because you might be. But it is about not holding on to that unforgiveness because that will turn into infection. That will turn into resentment. That will turn into bitterness. That will turn into a situation where Satan will have an opportunity to use you or to destroy you. Because it will destroy you from the inside. It will prevent you from growing. It will prevent you from blossoming. Because that bitterness, that hurt, that feeling of unfairness, and I'm not talking about being a doormat. I do not propose that. I do not even talk about not having God-centered, healthy boundaries. Not selfish boundaries, but healthy boundaries. But that's not the point. What I am trying to get your attention to is that when you are hurt, when you were wronged, when somebody tries to manipulate you, when somebody tries to take advantage of you, when somebody gossips about you, 
What is your response? Because we cannot control the other person. We cannot control the circumstances, but we can control our response. Satan does not. He can only whisper into your heart and tempt you to go the other way and to say, are you going to forgive him? He doesn't deserve it. Oh, no, no, she doesn't definitely deserve it. She keeps on doing it. How many times can I forgive? I am not going to forgive anymore. Is that going to become a device of the enemy? Or are we going to recognize his schemes? And are we going to say, enough? He may not deserve it. She may not deserve it. But I do not want this to poison me. So I'm going to surrender it to you. And I am going to let it go. And verse 18 also says, keep alert with all perseverance. I would like to use my vocabulary by saying stay focused. See, if you get distracted, if you are looking everywhere else, it's very easy to trip. It's very, if I'm going to come down here and I'm not going to look, I might actually fall, fall down. Excuse me, I need some water. I might actually fall down. And if you are distracted, with other things, you will not recognize the schemes of the devil. Stirring strife between men is one of his favorite devices, I believe. Distracting you with all of those things, with hurt, unforgiveness, sowing seeds of discord. Because you know what? He doesn't have to do anything. I think he can just sit and enjoy it because we are doing the work, because we are fighting with each other, we are destroying each other, we are arguing with each other, and nothing is being done. Because when he sows seeds of discord and we don't recognize it and we start doing things, he doesn't have to do a thing. We are destroying ourselves. There is a very important verse in James 3.16 where it says, Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Would you say right now that in pretty much every country on the face of the world, there is a lot of envy, there is a lot of self-seeking, there is a lot of, well, this is not fair. It's all about me. Much confusion and every evil thing exists. So how are we going to, what are we going to do? Do we recognize the fact that we are destroying ourselves? Not because we have to, but because of confusion, because of not seeing clearly, because the focus is gone and everything is fuzzy. Because we don't even recognize when it is a device of the enemy, when it is his tactic. It really hits me, the very fact that Satan wants to destroy God's creation. Satan wants to destroy us and he does everything. And the, the very, very vibrant example of that are some of our youth 
who have either gender dysphoria or who are simply confused or who had a, a very traumatic experience. And I'm not diminishing on their experiences. They might need help, they might need counseling, they absolutely need love and they need guidance. But you know what, just recently I heard a testimonial and, uh, of a, a lady who was 23 years old and she wanted to detransition. And she said, when I was 12 years old, I was raped. Nobody talked me through it. Nobody helped me deal with it. Nobody understood me. And so when I was 16, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was really troubled. And I decided this will never happen to me again. I'm going to become a man. Nobody asked me any questions because right now it is almost illegal depending on where you are, what establishment, to even question that. And so she went through so many different things, so many medical procedures, so much medication that she took, hoping she will be strong and she will be whole only to discover that after that, not only that the depression, anxiety, and all the fears did not go away, they were still there and the feeling of loneliness, but now her body was falling apart and she was struggling with a lot of issues. And that is the whole point of the devices of the enemy. He wants to cause confusion, he wants to uh, make everything blurry so there are no lines. Who are you to tell me what gender I am? Who are you to tell me this or that? Instead of dwelling in the word of God and holding the sword of his word and knowing and clearly being focused and seeing very clearly with precision and recognizing that those are the devices of the enemy who is trying to destroy you. A perfectly healthy girl turned into a very weak and sickly individual. This is more of an extreme example, but it illustrates where we are going. Where envy and self-seeking exist, there is much confusion and every evil thing. Why do you think right now that churches overall are weak? Why are we weak? It's not because of God. And it's not because of lack of his power, because he is here. And he is here to move through you and me. And he's here to minister to you. But it is because we have become distracted. And we do not look at the devices of the enemy and we don't recognize his schemes and we are not holding the shield of faith so that we can push back the dire, fiery uh, darts of the enemy and instead they hit us and they cause pain and they cause infection and they cause resentment and they cause bitterness. So what are we supposed to do? What is God challenging us and calling us to do? I want to share one more verse with you, actually two. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one, one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one 
another as God in Christ forgave you. Did you deserve it? I didn't, but yet he forgave me. So even if someone does not deserve it, if you don't want to give an opportunity to the devil to destroy you and others, then we all need to forgive. And we all need to stay sharp and focused. And James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But in order to resist him, you will have to recognize that it is him. That it is his device. And he uses innocent things to lure you away, to tempt you, to take away your time. And you know what? When you do not have time uh, to be in the presence of God, to read his word, to pray, to meditate, you will not be strong. And you will not even recognize that. So, what are we going to do in order to stay focused? We need to recognize the devil's, the devil's devices. Forgive. Do not hold on to anything. You may have to put boundaries. You may not want to connect with somebody. If there is an ongoing cycle, you may want to remove yourself. There are many other ways to do that. But you cannot hold it in your heart because that will give an opportunity to the enemy to destroy you. Recognize the devil's tactics and shut the door. Stay alert. Stay focused. And resist him. And if you do, then we all will run in such a way that we will obtain the crown. And God will be glorified in this place and everywhere else. If all of us will do this very thing, what I have shared through this exhortation, you better believe God will be known in this place and revival will start. Let us pray. Dr. Antonelli. Father, yeah, this is a word today for us. Clear our hearts, Father. Let us take the word of God that was spoken and preached today and taught to us. Let us apply it, God. Let us apply it individually. Lord, I know there's even some people here in the tab that have some issues like that with some other people. They're either here or in other places, and you know their hearts and you love them. So, God, move by your Holy Spirit. Let this written word become uh, rhema within us, Lord. And, God, let it become something that blossoms in us to a place of change that the glory of God and the person of Jesus would be manifested through us, consequently into the hearts and lives of others, and they might see you in us. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings to you.